0: Whitfield is proudly brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, bringing you relevant market insights through the Africa Financial Markets Index Report. That's Africanacity. APSA is a registered FSP.
1: Welcome to The Money Show. I'm Bruce Whitfield. There was a
0: time when everyone had a waterfront.
1: Cape Town had a waterfront. Bloemfontein had a waterfront. I think the Blomfontein waterfront is probably still going. Um, I think it is. If you're in Bloom, let me know. Uh three one seven oh two or three one five six seven, Randberg had a waterfront. It did. It's smelly, but it had a waterfront. I once did a foofy slide across that water. Thank goodness I didn't let go. Uh, (laughs) David Green is chief executive of the VNA waterfront, probably the most valuable piece of real estate in South Africa, Um, certainly the most successful property development in South Africa. Growth Point and the PIC, if memory serves David Green. They uh, got together, what, 10 years ago now and bought the waterfront from Transnet.
2: Yeah, but the story goes a, a, back a bit further than that. Um, back in 2006, um, Maria Ramos was running Transnet. And they had a large pension deficit and they came up with the idea of selling the waterfront. Um, so back in 2006, the waterfront was put in the market and it was sold to um, a London property development company called London and Regional and Dubai. At that point, Dubai was on a roll and was looking for international investment. So they paid um, 7.6 billion rand, which at that time was a billion US. So it was the biggest, uh, one of the biggest corporate transactions and it was a, it was a privatization you then, that was 2006, the world was great, you were buying retail at 5% yield, and then the economic crisis came, 2008, um, they'd bought it with leveraged debt, and so they, they, Dubai had gone down by that time, most of their investments had gone bad, so they were looking for an exit, um, and following World Cup in 2010... Growth Point and the PIC uh, in early 2011 acquired the waterfront for just over 10 billion at that time, which. um, It was the biggest property transaction ever in South Africa. Biggest property transaction ever. Um, Interesting, you know, it was a privatisation, a billion dollars. The people who bought it, even through the economic crisis, managed to get an exit, um, get a successful exit. They actually made money. I think it was one of the few investments Mm -hmm. to buy internationally made money. Um, and I think they kind of proved the, the potential um, and that's why growth point and the PIC came came along and paid the 10.7 billion
1: I mean, there was that really mad Sunday Times story around that time that um, the, the Transnet sold the ocean bed I mean, it was the beginning of the end of the Sunday Times as we knew it That's this great groundbreaking there, <laughs> And, then, and then, then, then later on came the the, the rogue unit stories at Sars. I mean, we were warned, but that was a weird story wasn't it? I mean, I don't remember the detail there, at all. there was
2: there was Certain land reclamation um, rights given, but I think it went into turbocharge. People said there was we were going to reclaim the land to Robben Island and connect the, the waterfront with Robben Island. I mean, it really did go kind of crazy. But it, it, it was a very um, kind of you know legitimate transaction. I think the waterfront being in um, public-private ownership, you've got the PIC two trillion rand investment. They've got they're going to have to have direct property investment, so they should be invested in you know one of the most valuable uh, property assets in in the country and then growth point the largest listed property company in South Africa so um, it's been it's been good i think it's been very good from a national point of view a national pride point of view people like the fact the waterfront is owned in national hands and it, and it's 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 a good example of a public private partnership um, how does that work practically in mm.
1: terms of you know, board meetings and things like that? You've got a PIC representative, you've got the growth point representatives, you've got independent directors on a board of the VNA Waterfront. I mean, just how? Yeah,
2: you know, I, I, look, tricky is it it's it? of sufficient scale that it's. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm lucky enough to have a very, very um, dedicated, strong management team. So very much, I'm CEO. I've got a, I've got ten executive managers. Um, and we will report in um, monthly um, to a joint board of PIC and GrowthPoint. The, the, it's an operating board. It consists of property professionals, so it, it works very slickly. Then there's a governance body on a quarterly basis, uh, PIC and, and GrowthPoint. But, but um, it, it's, it's kind of under the radar, but it works. It works quite effectively. What is
1: there? I mean, is there a way of estimating the value? Of something like the waterfront now, I mean it's only, you only it's only worth what you can get for it if you put it up for sale, but I mean, if you had to look at the valuation of the VNA waterfront now, what are the numbers saying?
2: Yeah, the num- numbers I mean we we, we value we, um, we will produce annual results we'll value uh, the valuation is the last published valuation because growth point have half it's in their in their stats, so it's around it's probably getting their valuation about eighteen and a half we're probably getting close to twenty billion now. Um, so it's been a, it's been a nice nice uh, <laughs> growth success story,
1: uh, and it's a mixture. I mean, it's it's also one of the very few successful mixed use developments in terms of once you get into. Um the a waterfront, there there's huge shopping, there's movies, there's retail, there is hotels and there are multiple hotels within that sector. There are lifestyle elements too at the restaurant sector, but um museums and galleries and car showrooms hmm. and I mean it's it, it it is a significantly diverse offices within there as well. I think Alan Gray still got offices at the at the VNA yeah. waterfront. I I think- had Bank's Western Cape Head Office is there. Yeah. It's a very
2: significant
1: Hub of activity. Yeah,
2: it it is. In fact, it, it's. I think the difference is, it's not a group of individual properties. It is a neighbourhood of, of Cape Town. I mean, it is three hundred acres, one hundred and eighty rugby fields, stretches from the conference centre almost to the the stadium, um, and and within that, you have um, twenty three thousand people are are um, working within the waterfront now. From you know thirty years ago when it was it was derelict. Um, and as you've said, it, it's got an incredible diverse. Um, th- funnily enough, the biggest um, property occupier is now is, is now commercial office. Um, so since GrowthPoint and PIC acquired, they've ploughed in probably four and a half billion. Um, and we've become the premier kind of office node. We we, we have three out of the top um, four chartered accountancy firms. We've got Alan Gray, we've got British BP, we've got British American Tobacco. So that's grown retail is strong we've got 15 hotels um, 15 15 hotels yeah yep yeah. um, private residential um, we we started and, and created the, the marina which is probably some sort of the premier uh, residential accommodation I think our model now is more to build um, custom build to let so we've got 250 units where we're trying to um, we're trying to build them with a view to letting to make it accessible for young professionals because I think it works better for us to have younger professionals living and working. We've got
1: people living a funky lifestyle. I mean, they then, the, the nightlife is secure. They, they're getting out. They, they, they're actually living in the waterfront. They're not going into their residences and locking the
2: door. That's it. And if you look around the world at waterfront, successful waterfront mm-hmm. developments, um, something that can kill and sterilize if you over-privatize it. I think one of the great things about the waterfront is that you know we have 24 million people. It is private land. Most people... You know, the myth is that the waterfront is the shopping centre. Most people don't realise that it's private land, but it's run as if it is public. um, And it works that way. We want it to be that. We want it as diverse as possible. That's a success. It's actually one of the few stories around the world, you know, this increasing diversity between rich and poor often rich want to build walls and keep people out whereas the success of the waterfront is actually in the, in that diversity and the, and the range in there i mean whose brainwave
1: was the vna waterfront you talk about 30 years ago the harbor was derelict and i remember coming on holiday not 30 years ago but quite you know, not long after that and it was the early days. I think Ferryman's was mm. the waterfront. Mm, mm. <laughs> um, and it's
2: still going. Um,
1: and, and Ferryman's was the V&A waterfront. I mean... The, the, and I think Bertie's, the, the, Bertie's Landing... Bertie's Landing. Uh, the, the number of people
2: Land? I speak to get quite dewy-eyed about, about first dates at Bertie's Landing <laughs> <laughs> or Ferryman's or, or parties. But the original founders and, and people with real vision, uh, David Jack, Brian Cantor, and Ari Burcroft. And it was a lovely combination. So you it was a, an Investec property, was it?
1: Uh, I mean, Brian Cantor?
2: Brian Cantor was, brought, was an academic and was brought in... Um, he, he was the... Um, Professor Brian Cantor was... Oh, sorry, yes, yes, yes. Not the Investec one. No. Um, so it, it was Transnet land. And I, I think between the city and Transnet, they had the idea um, to create a waterfront to connect Capetonians with the, with the water. It was derelict. Uh, and it took amazing vision. When you see the, the photographs of this oil tank farm, smelly fishing activities... Um, and a couple of restaurants. Um, so they were the original founders and, and had this vision. And, and what they crucially did, um, when you look at other waterfronts around the world, they actually they said, look... Um, the movement, the activity is is theatre, so we don't want to kill that. We want the gritty, earthy stuff. Like it must be, a, it must be a living harbour. I mean, there must be stuff exactly. going on. Exactly. Yes. Whereas at that time, if you go like to Darling Harbour in, in Sydney, they were kind of concretising. everything has got to be glass and steel. Let's let's sterilise. And now what you have these are these have lack like, character and soul. And I think we've we've kind of picked up that legacy of saying, well, let's let's look at these historic buildings, let's repurpose them. I think the Light Museum is a great example of, of, of repurposing a silo building like that. I
1: mean, and that is the yeah. most extraordinarily courageous. I remember seeing you what eight years ago, or thereabouts, mm. in the early in the embryonic stages of this. I mean, you were looking at these grain silos which had been disused for decades, yeah. um, and in most grain silos, I mean, they're hard enough to implode. These are solid. These have got concrete walls that are about about a meter thick, um, and there was this vision to create these organ pipes this cathedral to art if you like and when you walk into the Zeitzmarker, if you've not been to it there's this incredible interplay of concrete and steel and light and glass and mm. phenomenal artwork as you go into this thing and it's like walking into the organ pipes of a cathedral organ
2: yeah the 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 sort of the, the master planning for that area I mean it, it was derelict for over 20 years um, it was a kind of uh, a sort of used car park it was inhabited. Uh, by people wire stripping. And there was lots of plans to make it into, pretty unimaginative to make it into kind of residential accommodation or, or offices. But I, I think we we realized this building had real soul and character. It was the tallest man-made building in sub-Saharan Africa, but it was hidden in plain sight. And we we kind of lucked out pre, you know, Cape Town uh, was looking forward to being World Design Capital 2014. So with the eyes of the world were going to be on us. Um we, we we thought we wanted to make this public, something accessible to public. And, and if you look at um, you look at the aquarium, it's as a, as a great model. Mm-hmm. Um, Cape Town needed a, a kind of vibrant art museum. So we came up with the idea of an art museum. We researched the world into the top art museums. Um, and you need a great architect. Uh, you need a collection. You need a curator. And just things all came together. We came across Jochen Zeitz and, and his, his collection, um, I think the board were, had had the vision and the courage um, to put something like five hundred million into a project that wasn't going to give a return, but realised the importance of art and culture, and something like that. And that it was actually designed as the cathedral in the square. And you see, it's it's got a it has a sort of height prominence um, as the cathedral. And, and then literally, Heatherwick came up with this incredible idea. Two things he did: we took a single piece of corn. To, to sort of, in deference to what the thing used to do, and he blew it to ten stories high and then carved it out and he had this lovely expression he said, Just take a hot knife through butter and cut this concrete and of course it's one hundred year old concrete it 's the hardest it can possibly be but the the you know the, the one of the wonderful things about South Africa is that the technical expertise that we have, the ability to work with concrete and make these buildings is is phenomenal and and, and the, you know the the architect had the vision, the builders and and um, technical team pulled it off. We're talking um, to David Green,
1: who's chief executive of the V&A Waterfront, getting a good deep dive into the history of the place and what it's being used for today. Um, and as you plan your holidays, you may very well be um, traveling down to Cape Town for this part of your holidays. And it is always a, a hub of activity. We'll talk about that in a bit.
0: The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield is proudly brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking, bringing you relevant market insights through the Africa Financial Markets Index Report. That's Africanacity. APSA is a registered FSP.
2: I
1: mean, this idea of taking a working harbor and converting it into a theater of entertainment and lifestyle and residential and a mixture of huge property and the fact that there are more offices there than any other single category um, is nothing short of extraordinary. I remember David Green in the early days of the residential developments going to look at a show house Mm. and saying, it's a million rand. <laughs> Imagine being able to have one of these. And mm. I don't know what it's worth now, but it's still there. Um, and, I mean, the, the residential side of that development has been nothing short of extraordinary in terms of demand and the people, the prices people are prepared to pay.
2: Yeah, the... the the, I mean, in terms of economic terms, I think they started off at about a 17,000 per square meter. And we've now you know, exceeded 100,000 tops. And, and we've had an apartment going for about 120 million. Um, it, it's, it's quite an incredible, it's an, a sort of oasis in the center of Cape Town. It's, it's secure, but, um, it's very secure. Uh, I mean, access, it also, that
1: access is really interesting because part of that security is the access and the lack of access and some of the frustration, particularly in holiday mm. seasons, of getting in and out of the place. Yep, yep. Yet there are multiple access points. The flow does happen. I think you've had a lot of science going into yep. ensuring that the flow does happen and that you've got one-way systems and traffic circles and people. Somehow it works. And you've got, what, 14,000 parking places or something ooh, insane. Ooh. Um, and they're often full. I mean, it's a there is a, a hub and a bustle.
2: There's a hub and a bustle, um, and, and and I think there's a vibe, there's an energy. I mean, you take this last weekend, we had the gun run, uh, we had the boat show, we had the Kaiser Chief Soccer, and it just adds to an, an incredible kind of vibe. Yeah, and occasionally we'll have a large event, and it will take a long time to get out of the waterfront. Um, most, most there is a challenge, Cape Town has a challenge with transport. It's a good challenge. People want to live and work in the city centre. Um, and, and, and we, we need to work on how to solve that. Now, that is not going to be building more roads. It's going to be modal shift. There's got to be a monorail at some point. I mean, a monorail that connects the Cape Town airport and by-
0: bypasses
1: the N2 highway, I think it is, I that comes into critical, Cape Town. And the
2: critical th- thing is public transport. And, yeah. I, and I mean, we, you know, in, in the 10 years I've been here, it's quite a miraculous shift to the my city. But actually, the big thing is real. I mean, the incredible thing is that the population densities are connected by rail. Most of these, most or many developing cities, um, would, would kill to have the lines in place you look at how train, how effectively that that works. I mean, the huge opportunity. Unfortunately, it's going the other way. There's hundreds of thousands of people are finding the rail unsafe and moving into probably. Uh, no, I mean, that's cars. but that's a problem to fix rather than. It, it's an opportunity, yeah. and a problem to fix. And, 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 and you know, my, my my biggest thing is you've got two cities, financial hubs like Stellenbosch and Cape Town, which have a rail... Li- Why on earth do we not <laughs> do that? Why on earth? I Absolutely, think it's, and one it's, of the most pretty rail
1: routes in the world is yeah. um, it hugs the Forsberg coastline. And, I mean, the train windows. The last time I travelled to one of those things were so filthy you could. And see through them and, and you didn't want to look out the window just in case somebody took your bag. But, but we're going into tourist season. Yeah. Um, you must have seen a huge drop off after day zero and after the, the fear that Cape Town would run out of water. Cape Town's water supply is fairly secure for the next uh, 12 to 18 months. Mm-hmm. Are you anticipating
2: floods of people? We, we are anticipating a good a good tourism season. I, I think, um, I mean, one of the wonderful things about Cape Town is just, it. it you know, it pulls top five in TripAdvisor in, in Cities search, it's not a top five city, but it's it's the New York Times most desired visit place. It's the Telegraph in London, so it really has got an incredible brand. People, young and old, want to come here. So there's this massive potential. Um, the waterfront, you know, benefits from that a lot. You know, nine and a half people who visit um, Cape Town will come to the waterfront probably on multiple occasions. Um, we took a bit of a dip um, during day zero. I think you know, day zero was very effective at at getting us to reduce our, our consumption. But, um, you know, the message, uh, it was a very attractive kind of apocalypse, um, uh, Mad Max to Charlie's Theron message that went out <laughs> to saying, you know, don't come, we're going to run out of water. Very effective, but, but it, we took a note. At worst, probably our tourism was down 15 to 20%. And that was on a, a, a kind of seven percent growth growth trajectory. So we're 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 bullish about this season. But I think longer term, I think the potential the potential is huge. We we have to this city about one point four million visitors only. We've got a brand that everybody knows. Unfortunately, we keep shooting ourselves in the foot. Yeah. You know, um, Day Zero was one. Visas is 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 an. Easy fix, where everybody's going in the direction of trusted travellers, online visa applications. We're, we're still asking for um, unabridged birth oh, certificates. Nuts. Don't stop me. Uh, Don't stop me on that, please. <laughs> so, I, but it, but it, and it's real jobs. I mean, there's yeah, three hundred thousand yeah. people employed within the Western Cape in tourism now. Uh, tourism. Is in a, it's in a golden era. Um, it's the fastest growing business in the world. There, there's never been better air access. There's That's never it. been more affordability
1: in terms of mm-hmm. the ability of people with money to travel. And once you get people with money traveling, they come to places and they spend time and then they spend money.
2: And they and they create and, jobs and yeah. they create massive jobs. I mean, you know, the Chinese examples are incredible. One. There's 250 million, 250 million Chinese who have the uh, sort of. Economic power to travel. Now we used to get about one hundred and fifty thousand, and it was growing. Um, We 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 put in. We we screwed them over. We we screwed screwed them (laughs) over. Yes, (laughs) and now we have fifty thousand. But the potential. I mean, it is not unrealistic to talk about doubling the tourism numbers. Perfectly Um, easy. I need to ask you one final question. Where do you go?
1: I mean, there's limited space. There are a few gaps. You can you know, build more things and you know, create
2: more opportunities mm. and all that sort of stuff. But mm. there's a limited space. No, quite the reverse. I mean, uh, we've we've got another forty percent to go. It's, what? It's very lowly d- densified. We've been working on connecting the city, but the next the next big thing in the in the waterfront is is the Granger Bay area. The idea of walking from the city centre along the canal onto a boardwalk through the waterfront through Granger Bay into Mooly Point onto Green. Um, Greenpoint Park it's, it's, it, the potential Lawrence, is incredible yeah. so we got about 40% more to go much more to go after
1: what a fabulous discussion David Green Chief Executive at the
2: V&A Waterfront
0: The Money Show with Bruce Whitfield was brought to you by APSA Corporate and Investment Banking bringing you award winning trade and working capital funding solutions to unlock the full potential of your business story APSA is a registered FSP